Welcome to Say That Podcast, where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. I think we have contact. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Greetings. Joining us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Yes, I'm technically here. The best kind of here. And without even any preamble, because I love the idea so much, I declare an 80s emergency. I'm wearing leg warmers already. (laughs) Yeah, that's a secondary emergency I don't think we have time for. When did Matt um, get that mullet? It's always been there in spirits. Matt's business up front, party in the back. (laughs) The old Kentucky waterfall, they call it. (laughs) Get out of town. I was at an independent wrestling event this weekend, and it just sprouted. (laughs) So, uh, friend friend of the show, friend of the people. Yes. Yes. Michael Blissett. Whose name sounds a lot like a really nice scotch. Yes. yes. And the name That's of that true. scotch nice, would be Glenn Blissett. Yes. Well, a nice Glenn Blissett 18. Or yes. That's, that's bringing up hard liquor very early into our Christian podcast. I celebrate it. Um, Goes down smooth. <laughs> so our friend uh, Mike Blissett uh, mentioned on Twitter to uh, Jed and Glenn here, and Glenn passed along to me. He said, as oftentimes people do, there's they see a crazy Christian thing, and they think, you know who should know about this? The fellas. Yeah. <laughs> They're not wrong. And we appreciate it every time. And it's a, this is a film that has, he sent a trailer to a movie. And this is the exact, uh, apparently this film has lots of Bible stories in it, but I'm too scared to watch a movie where a man who claims that God formed him out of squids and electricity shouts, I'm an, in an Iron Maiden of pain. Wow. It's a lot going on there. Wow. And here's the thing, uh, dear listener. I, as Glenn sent along to me, I clicked on the uh, trailer, the link that Mike sent to the trailer, and it was so much more confusing yeah. than that. Yeah. But here's what I got out of it. It is a Christian movie. Right. Like many Christian movies, the uh, acting in it, when I say amateurish, I don't mean that as a put down. <laughs> I mean, right. clearly these people were not paid for this. Right. And there's a lot of get up and go in that, which is super. Yeah. Uh, the only real other thing I can pull from the trailer is that there's surfing involved. Yes. Right. Okay. And there's not a lot of comedy in me not understanding a movie trailer. Right. But, but the- it, it has to be said, though, as, we, as we were talking about this, we see a lot of Christian cultural stuff that's just jacked up. Yep. We see a lot of stuff that's like, you see it coming from a million miles away of like, ah, okay, and it's a thing, and it's a symbolism, and it's, you know. This was not that. This was, what am I looking at? <laughs> yeah. There was there was a point where a guy, like, they, they're having a conversation, and there's, like, a kid who's a surfer, and there's an old haggard guy, and he barfs up something black. Yeah. That's yeah. like in the trailer, not like part of anything or explained or put into context. Yeah, it's it's just like... check out this movie. <laughs> Why would I want to see? That? I mean, the the it 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 looked seriously like it was a parody, right? Um, yeah, like an SNL parody. You know. Well, you normally when people send us these things, and we got sent a, a good number of movie trailers, and please keep them coming. Folks, oh yeah, because mm. we get enjoyment out of them, and we got to fill an hour a week. Yeah. Can't stress that enough. Um, but oftentimes it'll have the the idea of this is either a youth group sketch or a Hallmark commercial or something that somebody tried to stretch to nine right. minutes. Right? Yeah, yeah. As you're saying, as Glenn is saying, I can identify the the genre of this that is a bad idea. Right. With this one, it was more. This is like a Danish new wave. Yeah, cinema experimentation. <laughs> like there was a, a Werner Herzog element to that, and if you know him, you were just blown away by yeah, that like, reference. Like if it suddenly sh- just flashed black and white, and there was a clown riding a bicycle through the background, mm-hmm. totally unexplained. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, "Yeah, sure, that sure, makes as yeah. much sense as anything else." So again, there's confusion, and I don't think we're going to penetrate this mystery right now. Okay, I think what we can do is come up with our own version. Because Christian surfer movie, now there's a picture. Right. right. And in the age of the remake 
and the reboot and the reimagining. Uh. Owner of what we sometimes refer to as the spiritual ponytail. When he has a particularly artistic vision, Jed Brewer came up with this bit of gold. Jed, please tell the people your idea. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about Christian Point Break. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yep. That's what's up. Okay. Quick brainstorm title of the movie, Church Break. That's good. Uh, Alternate Point Faith. Point wow. faith, oh, very that's good. That's the leader in the clubhouse. Yeah. That's pretty strong. I was trying right to think there. of something with Pontius, but it may be a bit, yeah, maybe a bit too. of a reach. Now, uh, for those of you not point familiar, point faith, that's, yeah, that's strong. You, point faith. That's that's why I'm moving on because yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, right yeah, there. Yeah, when, when you're done, you're done. For those of you who are unfamiliar, because this uh, movie came out. 27 years ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Release date July 12th, 1991. Yes. Um, uh, I, Point Break is a movie that is dear to many of us who grew up around that time because it's one of those, much like this trailer, you will occasionally hear a reference to it or see a clip online and you have a moment where you go, that was actually a movie. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that was not just a fever dream I had. Right. So That's... I will read a, just a little bit of the, I will read the Wikipedia plot sub. Plot summary. After a string of bizarre bank robberies in Southern California with crooks donning masks of various former presidents, a federal agent, Johnny Utah, mm-hmm. that's the name. That's yeah. totally believable. So played, by, played by Keanu Reeves, infiltrates the suspected gang. But this is no ordinary ga- group of robbers. They're surfers. Aha. Yeah, there's a twist. <laughs> Led by the charismatic Bodie, Patrick Swayze, mm-hmm. who are addicted to the rush of thievery. <laughs> but then Utah falls in love with a female surfer, mm. Tyler. Mm-hmm. Lori Petty, who is close to the gang. It complicates his sense of duty. Yes. Now, there's a, we've already talked about scotch in this program, so I'm not going to make the inappropriate joke to how only the amount of cocaine going around Hollywood in the 1980s <laughs> right. makes sense of it's a bank robbery, but they're surfers. Right. And we we went to press with the name Johnny Utah. Yeah, like, that right. wasn't the jokey name. Yeah. Right. yeah. But we have we have the template here. So yes. we're going to remake this. In the Christian context, I, I open the floor. What What's our plot here? Well, obviously, it centers around a character named Billy Nazareth. <laughs> yes. Clearly. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 Billy Nazareth, and he's uh, infiltrating uh, some form of a secular... There you go. It's the Atheist Club. Uh, It's the SoCal Atheist Club. Yes. And Billy Nazareth is trying to get on the inside and turn them. Right, because they're atheist surfers. Right, they're atheist surfers who don't believe in anything. That's right. Nothing, man. They just believe in nothing. They believe in nothing but waves. That's right. that's good. Yeah. Yeah, the rush of the waves. all they believe in is the rush. That's right. That's right. Yeah. They're they're nihilists. That's right. They believe in nothing. That's right. I queued Jed up for that one. Yeah, he can't resist. Here's what I'm saying is that uh, uh, Billy Na- movies only people our age in this audience have seen. <laughs> Billy Nazareth gets on in the inside because uh, he he knows how to surf. Right. You know, but secretly his surfing, like how does he do it, man? Right. Like how does he ride the waves? Like. Well, he's he's riding on water. Oh my goodness! See what I'm saying? Wow. Yes, it's he's like, riding uh, on water. How, how does he do? Like he wipes out, but he keeps going. Yes, CGI. Yes, you know what I'm saying green screen. And the there's whole a deal. killer moment where the lead atheist is sinking, and yes. he extends his hand and says, he, he, yeah, "Walk to me out on right, the water." This is what it is. We yeah. just made a movie. That's wow. a go picture. Right That's a good movie. That's yes. great. I'm gonna pitch the way Christians will ruin this movie because okay. you know, we got no audience. Instead of walking on the water CGI, can yeah. you know, keep this on the budget? We're oh, yeah, fresh yeah, actors yeah. on this. But he's totally the reaching out moment. Yeah. Um, there's totally, you know, he surfs in a storm and he's yeah, the absolutely. One who's calm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's the moment where he's infiltrated the atheist club. Yeah. And he comes clean. Yeah. Here's who I am. Here's what I'm supposed to do. And he's got to turn him. Right. And he says, You know that thrill you get from standing on the water? You know who. Invented surfing. <laughs> oh, you know who made right. these waves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then, and that's, and that's when he busts them for being atheists as part of the Bible police. So, 
can we can we still <laughs> the keep federal the, bible institute <laughs> can we still keep the 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 screaming via con dios line in there yeah, yeah totally no no the, I, the, I mean that I works think in both movies we're getting Keanu Reeves to play this. There's sure. no doubt about that. Yeah. I think he needs to work. Sure. <laughs> Either that or he's got all that John Wick money and he's just doing stuff just for the, weird for the sake of weird now. That's right. <laughs> well, and then there's the scene where like he, he has to decide whether to shoot him. Yeah. Spoiler alert. And he right. just shoots up in the air because he's all frustrated. Yeah. Put that in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, we're going to save a lot of time if we just get a VHS copy of Point Break. Yeah, yeah. And we cut in about 45 minutes of that. <laughs> sure. We sure. just kind of film the rest around well, yeah, it. Like, yeah, because it's like a cut scene to like the beach. You yeah. Know, like the B-roll. Just put that in there. Oh, absolutely. That's say We're saving money right there. I boy. think Universal will be cool. Yeah. Sure, sure. Because it's a beach. It's a public beach, man. Yeah, I'll be super chill about it. So, you know, I think we could do this for about 45 bucks. <laughs> put out some snacks and have Keanu come over. Boom, movie. Yeah. yeah. See what I mean? Yeah, he's pretty chill. I think he'll be into that. Totally. He would love being Billy Nazareth. Now, let me ask you a question. Would this movie, as we have conceived of it, yes, precisely right. as we've conceived of it, be worse than the trailer that was sent us? No, on this thing? in no way, dude. Well, there it, you go. It's certainly, it's followable. Right. Which the trailer did not have. Here, here's the thing, uh, as, as we close this out, dear uh, Christian filmmakers of the world, just just tell us the story. Yeah. Yeah. Think Brady Bunch. Yes. Right. Summarize what this movie is. Right. In a nice minute and a half situation. Yeah. And it's not going to be good. You know, that's you're trying to do a little bit of a, you're pulling the old whoppy dop on us. You're not right. telling us the whole story right, because right. it's like, if it's corny, people with taste won't show up. Well, it's a Christian movie. People with taste aren't going to show up to that. <laughs> That's how that, that ship has sailed, my man. Snakes yeah. on a plane, yep. except it's a metaphor for right. taking every thought captive. R- well, wow. that's the right. The plane is your mind, right? and the snakes are all the naughty thoughts you don't want to have. Okay, you just you just exploded my brain right now. You're welcome. Not to be confused with snake handlers on a plane. <laughs> right. That's which is just about thing. a flight from Knoxville to Morgantown. <laughs> <laughs> we are not going to top that. Nope. Yes. On that... Would probably be ethnically insensitive if I wasn't from the area basis. I declare emergency off. Emergency off. Film on. Oh, yeah. That's right. Point faith is going to happen. <laughs> I'm Johnny Nazareth. Let's do this. Yeah. I like that. That's <laughs> uh, so not any dumber than the real movie <laughs> that made so much money. It really. Oh, and, and, again, if you haven't seen the movie, I can't stress enough that you should check it out right. because you ask yourself, sure. FBI agent surfing bank robbers. This is dumb. Right. But is there a skydiving scene? You know there is. Yes. <laughs> you know there it is. It totally makes sense within the context of the film, people. Just watch it. It's Keanu Reeves, that great intellectual mind of, of, of this century. Just so I said, you know the, you know the stare-down scene in Heat yeah. with De Niro and Pacino, or it's like yeah. these two titans yeah. of cinema and we're just gonna finally just you know there's nothing really happens but it's all in the presence and the smolder what if it's that both keanu reeves and patrick swayze (laughs) i mean that's what i'm saying is is you've got keanu reeves but you also that's a powerhouse right there but when you have sir patrick swayze in there (laughs) right wow that's right please please sir patrick of swayze (laughs) that's right sir patrick of swayze show some respect swayze on trent (laughs) <laughs> wow. Kind of, wow! Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Oh man, I there's there's no way to get to Bridgebox from here. Okay. You know, it's like skydiving while surfing while you rob a bank. Bridgebox. Oh, that sure. sounds cool. That yeah. sounds awesome. For only eight dollars here, and this important safety tip: if you go to a skydiving place and they say it's only eight bucks, don't get on that plane. <laughs> yeah. No. Same yeah. goes for surfing. Don't buy an eight dollars surfboard. No, that's okay. not enough money to buy a good surfboard. You know what? It is enough money to do support inner city missions while getting cool stuff for yourself on a monthly basis. It's go. totally tubular. <laughs>
and many other things that turtles yelled out in the 90s. Missionosa.com slash bridgebox get songs, sermons, all sorts of other good stuff. Our topic for the month of September is how do I love someone when I've lost respect for them? If you want to hear a little intro of that, we talked about that as one of our questions on the last episode. So head on over and check it out. Missionusa.com slash bridgebox. We're jumping to our first question here. If you hang out this all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch. This first question comes in anonymously and it says, in Ephesians 5.21, it says we're to submit to one another. Does that mean the wife submits to the husband and the husband submits to the wife? And Glenn, uh, we've we've probably talked about this verse. We've talked about this concept before, mm-hmm. but I think it's, it's good to refresh. And obviously, our friend wrote it in this week, so they, they want to know about it. And I've, I, as I told them back, this is a better just bare-bones summary of that verse than I've heard from a lot of people with seminary degrees. Yeah, so I think right, the, right. Especially the word submit in English, which I'm sure we'll get into there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of cultural stuff mm-hmm. that people put on this verse, but for yeah. opening up with just, here's what it says. What yeah. is that? Well, uh, what it's clearly saying, uh, particularly in the original language is that both are submitting to God. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, it does mean, uh, that we are meant to, uh, to be, serving one another, equipping one another, and that that's part of what God's going to be calling us to do. But the um, the word in uh, that we're translating as submit uh, is a compound word, a lot of compound words in Greek uh, that are in the Bible, epo and tasso. Uh, epo means under like, a, it's spelled like hy- hypo, like hypodermic needle, that kind of thing you know, is under the skin. Uh, so uh, hippo is under, and then tasso is, is arrange. So it's it's a someone is under a influence where someone is arranging what should be happening there. Um, so this is is God uh, arranging for these people and organizing these people might be a better way to translate that to where they're meant to be serving one another, equipping one another, helping one another out. Uh, looking at ways to uh, really devote their lives to serving each other and equipping each other to do great things for the kingdom. That's the goal. This is what we want to do. <clears throat> Here's what we don't want to do, which is uh, leave this up to these two clueless people. That's what we don't want to do. Here's another <laughs> thing we don't want to do. We don't want to have the man decide, hey, guess what? I'm going to call all these shots. Now, question, what if I'm a big man? If you're a big man, same story. Okay, follow-up question, Mm -hmm. what if I'm a big, strong man? If you're a big, strong man, also... You're uh, about to say a big, strong, dumb thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, in that (laughs) case, never mind. That's right. You know, we we, this is a thing of, uh, if you want to call shots, uh, that's a different thing. And we need to be clear about that. But it is about how do we serve one another? How do we equip one another? That's moving towards the positive. But let's also look at the negative side of this thing. There's there's the power and control element. Is, as uh, Matt was rightly pointing out, there are cultural elements to that, and people have abused those kind of ideas in the past. So there's no doubt that that's, you know, in extreme cases, a problem. But I want to talk about what is more often the problem in relationships where we're leading each other astray in many cases where where um you know there's a thing that God wants one or both of these people to do in this marriage and somehow we are getting lost on the way to that okay that happens a lot we see a whole lot of that in marriages and that's not just a domineering person or uh, you know, weird cultural things. Sometimes it's that. But I find that really any kind of a negative emotion, particularly fear and insecurity, drives a ton of bad decisions that couples make. Uh, that that often is around money. That's a big uh, thing that we talk to couples about uh, a lot. But if I am letting fear and insecurity drive these decisions, I'm going to make m- bad decisions. And it's about coming to each other and saying, we need to trust God period, and we need to follow his voice. If we're not sure what he's calling us to do, we need to get sure. If we're sure, then we need to do that thing. We can't sit here, the two of us, 
and decide what is the safe choice and what is the risky choice. Now, we see a lot, a lot of people say, look, God, we felt like God was calling us towards this, but we couldn't figure out the numbers and we couldn't work out the finances. So we went this other direction that was sort of the same thing, but the money was for sure. And then the money turns out to not in any way be for sure, because that's not what God was calling them towards. They made that decision out of fear. They made that decision, I, you know, I don't feel like I can handle this big, hairy challenge. So I took sort of the much more easier road that I'm more comfortable with, with people I'm more comfortable with, and what have you. Um, there needs to be somebody in this marriage that says, let's do the brave thing. Let's not uh, chicken out on things. Let's not let fear drive the decision-making here. That's a really fantastic place to start this off. And Lee, I'd love to get you to pick us up right there and um, kind of let's get a little further into what Paul is actually saying here in this verse as it pertains to marriage and what he isn't. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of the uh, you, you kind of touched on this at the beginning that that there's been not only a lot of cultural stuff, but there's been a lot of mishandling of this concept just within the church and not just uh, back when Paul wrote it, but I mean, all throughout the whole history of the thing that, you know, the, the idea has been, you know, and, and, and Jed kind of asking those questions to Glenn, what if I'm a big man? What if I'm a big, strong man? You know, that, that there was this idea culturally that what it means to be a man in a marriage is uh, I you know, am the king of my castle and everybody does everything that, that I say and what I say goes and the, the whole deal and everybody has to get behind that. And the problem with, with that whole deal is that folks that, especially the folks that would love to pull uh, Ephesians chapter 22 out and make that a whole, you know, the, the, you know, this whole big thing about what wives are supposed to do within the context of a marriage they do not broaden the scope out to look at the context of the whole paragraph, which is, number one, verse 21, right before that, says that everyone submits to everybody else out of reverence for Christ. Exactly as as Glenn's saying this, this is a function of us submitting ourselves out of reverence to Jesus. We submit to each other. Um, and and then the the wives to husbands thing, you know, I mean... It this is a this is a specific thing that's happening, which you keep you keep on reading there, and he goes on to say, and guys, you need to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is when you take the whole thing in context, you find people that out of reverence for Christ, exactly as Glenn is saying, are learning to, how to have a teamwork, learning how to sacrifice for each other, learning how to serve one another, learning how to submit to each other out of reverence for Christ, um, out, out of a relationship with Jesus where he is the head of everything. How do we build a teamwork, a teamwork that's built on love, a teamwork that's built on self-sacrifice, a teamwork that's built on um, sometimes I'm going, my, you know, my goal is to is to arrange myself underneath in the uh, like exactly like Glenn saying this this hypotassane that's the that tassane thing that's where we get the word taxonomy like when we you know divide like you know uh, animals and wildlife and all that kind of stuff it's a it's a list it's a listing and so this is like where am I on the list sometimes I put myself underneath her on the list. Sometimes she puts herself underneath me on the list. That's to build each other up and to get each other in the right position because our marriage, our teamwork is something that God is bringing two people together in order that that we can serve the kingdom of God in a in a more efficient and a better way than we could as two individual people. So how do we learn how to love sacrificially? How do we learn how to serve each other? And this is not about you know, uh, exactly as Glenn's saying, this is not about being the big dog that gets to call the shots. This is about um, learning to, to, to sacrifice and to love the way Jesus did, which was uh, he came down, uh, made himself poor, washed his disciples' feet. He took time with people. He listened to them. He cared about them. He, he empathized with them. And he served them. And that's the way that we want to serve each other in, in our marriages so that we can build each other up, so that we can build this teamwork to, together and serve the Lord more efficiently and better as a team. It's a really fantastic answer there. And Chad, I'd love you to close us out here. 
<clears throat> maybe let's start by doing a little, uh, and it's actually, I'm, I'm glad Lee brought this phrase up. Cause it's one we, we, you may hear from us a lot on this show. And I, I think it's, it's a good time to kind of go back and make sure we got our definitions clear. Talk on the, we talk a fair amount about calling shots. Yeah. So that is a phrase that comes to us from gang life because, yeah. uh, especially as it works in Chicago gangs, very top down, somebody is in charge. Yep. There's a final decision that rests with the person. So the way they would say that is, uh, you know, if you're on this block for this gang, so-and-so calls shots. Yes. Their, their word is law. That That is as it goes. And uh, that may not be the best model for a marriage or a church or any of <laughs> number of things. But as in so many things, I think there is a left and right limit on that. There that, absolutely is. To use a phrase that Glenn didn't make up at all that I'm picking here, the opposite of a bad idea is another bad idea. Hmm. You ah. can't be mad because we spent the whole emergency last time talking about how people should steal. Okay. <laughs> but but so I think it is easy to say, to say, you know, and look at all the cultural stuff we talked about here and say, this is a, this absolutely is a verse. People have abused and abused for horrible ends over the years. So let's just chuck it and nobody has to submit to anybody. What an outdated concept. That may not leave us in the best place either. So where do we land in the middle? Man, that's a great question. So yeah, absolutely. Just to uh, echo what's already been said, one person being the big boss man or uh, the shot caller or, you know, the, the person who makes all the decisions, that's a bad idea. Um, it's a bad idea because that's not what the Bible says. It's, it's also a bad idea because it won't lead to a healthy marriage. And it's worth noting that that may be more likely to be the male person who's trying to assume that role of big boss man, but there's plenty of marriages where the woman is the big boss man, and it's not healthy in either direction. That's right. Um, it, it may feel like a slightly better idea than the man being in charge because men, but it's still not healthy. It's still not healthy. It's still not healthy. Now, the funny thing, of course, is that the opposite extreme is also just just won't work. I mean, if the idea is before we can make any decision, we need to go to our mountain cabin and do trust falls and write in our feelings journal and have a secret ballot, and then we can decide where to go to lunch. Mm-hmm. There will be a breakdown. Um, and the reason there will be a breakdown is that marriage is a constant stream of decision-making. Yes. All day, Every day. Yeah. That's not bad. It just is. And if you think about it, you're taking two people and having them try to share one life. That's going to necessitate a lot of decision making. Right. So in a weird way, we it, it is a very good question, what's biblical? It's also a very good question, what's functional? What, uh, yeah, yeah. what just practically speaking can work? Having one person who just uh, is domineering and calls all the shots... Um, again, not biblical, but also not functional. That won't work. But similarly, you know, we must reach a perfectly unanimous thing through our trust exercises on all issues. That can't work. There, There's just a high volume of decisions that must be made. Here's the thing that I never, ever hear people talk about when it comes to these kind of passages. But to me, I think it's the whole thing is a good marriage is two people who are on the same page. Let me explain what I mean by that. You might have heard us before talk about the idea of in marriage, you're a team, right? And that's that's really, really true. And in fact, the point of a Christian marriage is to serve God more effectively as a team than either person could serve God on their own as a single person. That's That's kind of the point of a Christian marriage. But to be a really good team, it's not just that you're pointed at the same goal. You, you are, but you see things in a complementary way. You, you, you have a, it doesn't have to be an identical outlook, but you have a similar outlook. You have an overlapping outlook. You have an outlook, a, a way of examining life and the world that is compatible with this other person and sympathetic with this other person and in harmony with this other person. And that the, the phrase we would use around here again is being on the same page, but that's what we mean. It's, it's not just, we're trying to achieve the same goals, but we want to achieve the same goals in the same way We're we are, we're working in concert with one another. There's, there's a sense of harmony and balance there, all right? If we can develop that, a lot of decision-making where we're submitting to one another is going to begin to happen pretty organically. Um, that's going to be one of the outgrowths of that. If we can work to get on the same page, particularly in an arena of life, with money as an example, we're going to get on the same page with money, meaning we want to see similar outcomes with money, but we also have shared core values about money, what we believe money means and what it doesn't mean, what value it has, what value it doesn't have, how it should be used, how it shouldn't be used. Again, we're seeing things in a complementary, overlapping 
um, uh, harmonious way, a lot of our decision-making about money is actually going to be pretty easy at that point. If we can get to that place of being on the same page, one person doesn't need to be overly domineering. The other person doesn't need to be overly, oh, whatever you want, dear. We can actually, we we may find that decision-making process begins to work pretty smoothly. But the other thing that we'll see is we're doing a lot of submitting to each other which is exactly what this verse is describing, is submitting to each other. So again, if as you look forward to a future marriage, you look at your own, that idea of getting on the same page with each other is really yeah. one we want to encourage you to look at and to work towards. That's not a one-time thing, and that's not something where you do it for one area and it applies to everything else. It's subject by subject. It's a thing you have to do ongoing, but man, will it pay dividends as you do that. It's really great stuff from all of these guys, and uh, just to kind of uh, sum up what they said, and it's, it's the important thing because... You, if you're around Christianity for any Christian stuff for any amount of time, you're going to hear somebody try to uh, say some really, really messed up stuff and justify some pretty egregiously misogynistic attitudes based on this verse. And it's one of those things where there are some things in the Bible that are very layered, very mysterious, very um, specific to the culture and the language, and you really do need to dig into them to figure out what it actually means. Then there are some things that are not that that say what they say are very clear and to try to, some people try to dig into it so much to change what it says. So uh, Ephesians 5.21, as our friend boys out, starts out, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So to Paul, so someone to look at this passage and say, it's really saying only one group needs to submit to one other group. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, that's literally not what it says. Um, and you get in it does say wives from your husband. Also, says, husbands, love your wives. Yes, you can say, well, that's not the same word, blah, blah, blah. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, you may remember how that part in the Bible goes <laughs> with the dying yeah. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So again, functionally, this very clearly says, if you're going to be in a marriage, two people need to give each other, give up to each other, put the other person ahead of yourself. Now, it gets, it gets sticky. These guys are pointing out that's tougher to live out than it may seem. There's a lot of a lot of ins and outs on that, but if if someone ever comes up to you or in a book, a sermon, whatever, and says this verse says that uh, one gender needs to treat the other gender a different way, that is total BS, which, as we know, stands for biblically specious. That's correct. It's also lots of other stuff, but we're going to move on to our second question, which comes in anonymously, it says. Sometimes it refers to the southbound residue of a northbound bovine. Yes, that is coming straight from a Texan there, so yeah. you know it's true. <laughs> our question comes in honestly it says in my walk with jesus i've experienced that he comes through but my faith has been unthreatened through the years i just believe when it comes to my quiet time i'm torn between not measuring in results or feelings while at the same time wanting some experience of his love it's very easy to feel like i need to do the right mix of prayer silence activities bible reading and worship and such just to quote unquote get through how do i just hang out without an agenda while still wanting some response. A great question. A lot going on here. And Lee, where would we start? Um, I, I, I like this question. I'm, I'm thankful that you wrote it in. And I th- I want to start out by by telling you one thing, which is you are not alone in this. This is a this is a common question that comes in from from folks who are trying to figure this this walk with Jesus out. They're trying to figure out, uh, you know, I've I've got a faith in the Lord, and I I have a relationship with Him. And I'm I'm trying to figure out what it means to spend time with him. I want to feel that presence. I wanna I want I want to to experience something off of that. And I don't know if I'm doing it right. Um, that, that's kind of the way I hear the you know part of this question. Um, I want to talk about something outside of your relationship with Jesus just for a second to kind of paint a picture. That is one of my uh, when I was growing up as as a kid, I had two best friends. Uh, they both live in different parts of the country now, but just recently, one of those guys uh, came back in town, and he wanted to swing by and see the kids, and you know, bring his daughter over and stuff like that. So we did that. He he, he came by, and and it was this really cool thing where we picked up right where we left off. We had a you know we had a, a great friendship for a lot of years, and we had a lot of fun being together. And I was thinking about that friendship and how. Um, the way we developed that friendship was just a lot of little mundane hangouts over a long, long period of time. 
Um, sometimes we sometimes we did something really cool, but it was never like these big, huge moments that really solidified and galvanized our friendship and made us made us feel like now we're best friends. It was just a long, long time over years being classmates and teammates and and kind of neighbors and the whole thing, and and being these guys who were who were close friends. I say all that to say this. I think for a lot of folks. For a lot of Christian folks, and especially for a lot of young folks, we have experiences, you know, at retreats, or we're expecting experiences out of worship services, or out of the the youth revival, or whatever, where we have this big emotional experience, and we hang our hat on, that's how I know that I'm really, really in this thing, that I'm really doing this thing. And we're looking for that kind of feeling and that kind of experience all the time. But the thing is, is that what the Lord says, and particularly in the book of Isaiah, it says that he is making us into oaks of righteousness. Oak tree is something that grows slowly over a long, long period of time. Um, The thing that I would say on this is your friendship with the Lord is like your friend like your best friendship that you have with other people it's not something that happens over you know these uh one or two kind of firework moments it's something that takes time it's something that takes consistency and so what i would say as a result of that is switch up what you're doing whatever it is that you've been doing i, I wouldn't look at it as a, am i doing it right am i spending enough time in silence am i spending enough time in bible reading am i spending enough time in singing I would say relax about the whole process, knowing that Jesus loves you, knowing that your relationship with him is solidified and it's not going anywhere because he has made you his own. Relax in the midst of that. Keep showing up. Try something new. Try something you haven't tried before to spend time with him. And then just keep showing up to get that kind of, that little bit of sun and, and, and rain, that, the things that a plant needs every single day. Just keep showing up. Try something different and relax about that whole process. And then over time, that friendship builds. I think that we get used to the idea that it's going to be this big kind of firework moment that's really, really going to change our life, that's really going to make us feel like now I have it. But I think with most most friendships, it's just that consistency of being together, learning who each other are, and, and, and feeding into that relationship that really makes it grow. Absolutely. I think that's a really fantastic place to start off on this. Jed, I'd love to, to get you to pick us up here because um, there is one aspect of this question that I'd really love to dig into after Lee did such a good job kind of covering the, the, the idea as a whole, which is, and I, a friend re- reflects it in the question, but I think it, it is a thing in culture, and especially as Lee is pointing out, kind of uh, youth groupy stuff, kind of, of campus ministry, that idea of, man, just just hang out with your man, JC. Just yeah. just really get into it. There's nothing wrong with that. Totally. But um, there's also nothing wrong with having an agenda. Sure. And having a specific question, a specific goal when you go to the Lord's. So I think we can, what we may have overcorrected into saying, you don't have to have an agenda all the time. Sure, sure. That's great. Sometimes you just need to rest. You just need to abide. That's, that's a fantastic thing. But if you feel like you're stuck, then we don't want to vilify an agenda. So yeah. if we're in that thing, we're saying, I, I don't want to do, I'm in a, a period right now where I'm not, I don't want to do the just, just hanging out thing. I want mm-hmm. to go. I want to get into some mischief. I want to kick something off here. What does that prayer life look like as opposed to the other? Man, that's a great question. That's really, really sharp. Here's what I would say. I think there's at least two ways to do what you're describing. Um, and let's let's look at both of them briefly. The, the first is to say, which if we're going to have an honest prayer life, we, we should all be having the moment I'm about to describe pretty regularly. Lord, I've got this thing that's kicking my butt and I'm kind of tired of it. And yeah. I'd really love for you and I to get into it and figure this thing out because I've kind of had enough. Now, again, that doesn't need to be some big hairy lifestyle skin. When, when I said that, the first thing that came to mind... Horn. Yeah, exactly. That's actually not we what I some mean. Sign of, some kind of air horn that just says right. that? Yes, yes. Um, it, let's just say, for example, um, you know, uh, I've, I've got a job I don't particularly like, and I just have a lousy attitude about my work. And I feel like I'm justified, but at the same time, it's it's stealing all joy from my life. It's it's making me grouchy to the people around me. I you know this this funky attitude is kicking my butt, and I'm I'm ready to relinquish it. Could we start talking about this? Could could we get into it? That's great. 
That's that's fantastic. And the way that you live that out practically is a, a couple things. First, you ask the Lord, would you help me with this? Would you guide me? Would you show me people to talk to who can who can help guide me on this? You know, would you begin to give me some wisdom about this and, and show me what I'm not seeing about it? As I read the Bible, would you guide me and 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 speak to me and, and show me the things that I need to understand about this? As I'm still before you in prayer through the still small voice of the Holy Spirit, would you would you tell me the things that I need to know about this? And then would you give me courage? to take the steps that I need to take as you show me what those are. And and to take that journey together as a team, um, where it's not just about, I have this problem I need to fix, and um, so I'll try and go fix it, and hopefully that'll go well and God will be proud. But no, instead of that, this is a thing, it's a team effort between me and God. And God's going to supply the wisdom, and God's going to supply the courage, and God's going to supply the strength, but I'm going to be the one physically walking on the ground uh, and we're going to do it together. We're going to we're going to solve this problem together. That's a really good thing. That's really good. That's really powerful. And again, that's something that all Christians should be doing on a pretty regular basis. That's really like you never reach a point where that doesn't apply to your Christian walk. Uh, if you're on the green side of the grass, the other way to do it, which is very very similar, but it's it's a bit more to the positive. And I think very few Christians do this, but I think it's really worth looking at. Is I I think you and God sometimes need to go on an adventure. I I think you need to find something cool to do that feels too big for you and find a way to do it. That doesn't have to be a ministry thing. That doesn't mean you're getting on a plane and and going to another country and whatnot. It's just something that you think would be amazing. And that you feel like you're not sure you could pull it off. Like, man, that would be so cool, but but I don't even know. I'll give you a perfect example. I have a dear friend who grew up in a very urban environment and decided, I want to learn how to camp. I want to learn how to do all the stuff where I can go out in nature by myself and build a fire and cook my food and sleep in a tent and do it. I, I want to do that. All right. That's awesome. That's amazing. If you if you didn't grow up doing that stuff, that's kind of overwhelming. Like that's that's a lot to take in. But you and God can approach that as a team. You can do exactly the same process I was describing. Saying, first of all, Lord, show me what adventure would make sense. Show me what because maybe it's something ministerial, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's something of me, you know, doing a thing that clears my head and gets me in a different headspace. Show me what adventure would make sense, and then give me wisdom about how to approach that. Give me courage to take those steps. Give me resilience when I try things and they don't work, which is guaranteed to happen when I have setbacks. Give me a, a sense of hope that even when I have setbacks, we're not done here. Approach that as a team with the Lord. If you do that, two things will happen. First, you'll have a really cool adventure, which is really awesome. And again, that can be something ministerial, but it doesn't have to be. And, and sometimes it should be one, and sometimes it should be the other. But I think that if you're approaching kind of problem-solving and adventures as a team with God, I think you're going to build an intimacy there that's hard to build in other ways. Right. Um, you know, if you think about it, if you go back to our previous question about marriage for a second, a good marriage needs both the mundane hangout times and the adventures. It needs both of those. Yeah. If we only have the adventures... It's kind of a weird relationship and be hard to have. If we only have the mundane times, we're going to kind of get in a rut. A good relationship needs both of those. And I think your relationship with the Lord needs both of those too. I, it's a fantastic insight. That's really, really good stuff. And Glenn, let's, let's look at the practicalities of that. So um, it could be that we're making this, this shift that Jed is talking about from kind of one of those seasons to another. It could be just, we feel a little kind of uh kind of stuck or in a, or a little bit of a rut with our prayer life, which happens to everybody. I think the big misconception as Lee was pointing to is that I'm just going to feel my way out of this. And that's right. what will make my prayer life better. Just kind of dialing up everything about it. But, and it feels weird, a little bit weird to talk about this, maybe some people, but prayer, like any other kind of communication is a skill. It's one you can get better at. It's one you can kind of develop mm-hmm. stuff at. So if you're telling somebody, you know, here's some things to add to your, your, uh, your bag of clubs, to kickstart your prayer time, what would those be? Well, and I'm also with you on what you're saying with the the previous question. The idea of a, agenda isn't a bad thing. I think we might say um, overly strict to a random format that we came up with is a bad idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, to uh, go back to Jed's very sharp uh, marriage analogy, 
it's it's not bad to sit down and say we need to talk about money or whatever. Mm. It's weird to read the minutes from the previous meeting every time. <laughs> those right, are yeah, those yeah. are form <laughs> issues, not but, function. Yeah, and I think everything that Judd's saying about goals and and uh, that's a that's what we we need to think in terms of goals as opposed to agenda or format. You know, that's the right way to the right direction to go in. But here's the the problem that I see. Uh, with a lot of Christians in terms of ordering their Christian walk, is they're just too dang serious. Mm. They really are. Now, I'm not saying that they're that they're too serious about it. You you can't be too yes. serious about doing this. Yeah, everyone on this podcast is God sent, hell bent, trains on the tracks. I mean, walk through hell in a gasoline suit serious about getting this thing done. It may be a mess, it may be massive failure, it may be whatever, but we are as serious about this thing as you can get. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you're just too dang serious in how you look at this and how you carry yourself and what you're dealing with. They have a saying in sports, you have to lighten up, don't tighten up. The more the mm. tighter you get, the worse that you perform as an athlete. It's the same exact thing is true for Christians. You, yeah. You're just, man, you guys are clenched. Get loose. You know, I think that's so important in your prayer life to be able to get to tell God exactly how you feel about stuff, to vent, to rant, to say wrong stuff that you know is wrong, but you just got to say it. That that conversation needs to be real and authentic and healthy, and it can't get to that place unless you're being relaxed and loose. I, I have this this we were talking about this earlier today, but I have this problem with pastors where I can't get them to loosen up from the pulpit. You know, the, their preaching is fine, and they're good people with good hearts and good characters and good good content, but it's just not quite, you know, getting over the top, and. You realize this person to talk to off to the side is loose and funny and filled with joy and just yeah. just got all kinds of cool energy. And they get up on their microphone. It's like, uh, now we'd like to turn right. to the book of it. Like, why are you so serious? What the <laughs> heck? Is it? Did your dog just die? I mean, come on, loosen up, relax. Let's get after this. But here's what happens is, and this is how entrenched this is. I was telling this story earlier today. I had one of our, our, our guys who was preaching, and I said, uh, you need to lighten up. Like, we couldn't get a grease BB up here behind, my man. You got to get loose. And he's like, okay. I said, I'm saying that, and I tell all of y'all that, and none of you listen to me. I'm sure you're not going to do it. He's like, no, I'll do it. I said, okay, fine. I'm going to give you a hand signal. If you don't do it, I'm going to give you the hand signal. It's not he's the like, one you're thinking of, listener. Don't worry. <laughs> that's right. He's like... You won't need the signal because I'm going to get loose. He gets up there and was as serious as if this was a funeral. It was literally the t- the eight, probably eight and a half minute sermon was the longest I've ever seen this gentleman go without laughing. That's right. That's right. He's a, such a joyful, uh, humorous, optimistic <laughs> dude. And just, just a funeral dirge of seriousness. There were good points. There's nothing wrong with the content, but I'm just talking about the the attitude because he's saying, I need to take this moment seriously, mm-hmm. but he's translating that into, I need to be uptight and formatted and everything must right. be, you know, in a thing. The opposite's true. You hear us be loose and use a lot of humor and get get really, really, really relaxed on the show because that's a big part of how we accomplish what we accomplish and how we're able to get things done for the Lord. Um, you need to know, if you have that flowing conversation, you'll know what you need to give up. It'll, it'll come up. I'm, I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with this. This person, could you please smite this person because they're driving me crazy? And then you'll realize, okay, I need to give up that anger. The more there's a transparent conversation, the more you know what you need to get give up. And then uh, in terms of, uh, of what we do moving forward, we're looking for virtues. I need patience because this person is driving me crazy. I need peace because I was already frustrated, and that's what set me off. Whatever those things are, I need, I need love. I need understanding and wisdom. I need all, whatever those virtues are, uh, using that prayer time to sort of pack your bag with all the stuff that you need mm-hmm. to, to handle the challenges moving forward. That's what you need to do with prayer. Good. And it's a really fantastic point. That is all very, very good insight. And one thing I would add to that, that it's exactly on the track with Glenn saying about there is uh, we talk, we talk to people a lot of times about taking the mission seriously, not taking yourself seriously. That's kind of different. And the, the reason on that is 
that self-seriousness can creep into the just hang it out, being cool, man, uh, vibe. You can be just as legalistic about that mm-hmm. as you can be about, you know, the five point, whatever they, I forget the prayer acronym, but you know, the you, reform people know, you know, the, the doing it the, the same tulip. way. There you go. Having the agenda. It's not that one, but it might as well be. Okay. Um, but all that, you know, you can be just as legalistic on yourself about, well, you know, I don't want to like put rules on everything, man. But as these guys are saying, uh, this is a, a universal truth uh, that is, is tr- true. It applies in all situations and all walks of life that no one is willing to take us up on. But it is this. If you're unhappy, change something. Mm. Almost at random. If you're unhappy <laughs> right. enough, right. just pick something. You might ask for wisdom, but short of that. <laughs> you can start with, yeah, you can start with just throwing spaghetti at the wall and see yeah. how it, let the wisdom flow from there. But so, and there's nothing wrong with you saying, you know, I, I feel like I'm a little, what you're describing is being in a rut. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't believe, it's just I don't feel like we're doing And there's nothing wrong with going in saying, if you say, you know, I feel like I need a challenge, as Jed's saying, or an adventure or a mission or whatever. Nothing wrong with going full um, persistent widow and just not shutting up about that until right. you get it. Yep. That's in the Bible. Yep. The persistent sure widow, the story of the persistent widow, she does not knock her neighbors on the judge's door and say like, you know, I just figured we'd come over and chill. And if you decide you want to like give me what I want, that's cool. No, she drives that dude insane with what she wants. So, as we've talked about on the show before, the Jed brought split a lot. There, people have overchurched themselves on into the idea that there's the idea of original sin, which we're all we're all subscribed to in this podcast. Then there's the idea that that means that even after you're saved. Anything you want to do or that brings you joy or that you're excited about is inherently naughty. Yeah. And that's not Christianity. Right. God, God, if God put a fire in your belly to want to move forward, to want to, to want to get through, to want to kind of push forward something, give you that desire, then it's the holy thing to, to go at it. And there's no, no part of you that should feel bad about that. All right. Move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously and it says how do i do the right things for the right reasons when nobody is looking i lose faith that people will notice it when i do the right things and chad this is we've actually preached on this the bridge fairly recently this is a pretty common topic we we with folks we work with who are making big changes in their life and those kind of changes that you have to put in the effort every day to do there's that little bit of uh is anybody noticing this what do you say when you're talking to someone at the bridge who has that problem well, unfortunately, this boils down to terrible, awful, no good advice that I never, ever want anyone to give me, which is be patient. Mm. That's what it boils down to. That's terrible advice. It's awful. Don't preach that sermon to me. Here's why. Is um, other people are probably not going to notice the things you do today. Right. Right. Because um, uh, it's not that they don't care, but they don't care. Um, and, uh, <laughs> well, it's not that they don't care about your thing. It's that they're way too busy caring about their yeah. thing to know. Who is it they care about, Jed? <laughs> them and only them. Now, of course, if we're willing to be patient, here's what we'll find. If you make a, uh, a career and a habit of doing the right thing, even when no one's watching, people will notice they will. They will. It'll take a while. It will take much longer than it should, much longer than is fair, and much longer than you're comfortable with, but they will notice eventually. But now here's the interesting thing about it is we have in our brains, well, the sooner they would notice, the better, because then good things would happen, you know, and it would all be great. And my friend, I appreciate the thought, but that isn't how this works. Some good things will happen, yes. In the main, if you have a job and you consistently do a good job at that job, by the numbers, yeah, they'll probably want to promote you and they'll probably want to keep you around. That's not a guarantee. What is almost a guarantee is if you do a good enough job, other people can get jealous of you and other people are going to come after you. (laughs) Jealousy is an ugly thing, man. But Jed, that doesn't happen in ministry, is it? I mean, people don't uh, get jealous in ministry. (laughs) Dude. (laughs) (laughs) Finite amount of hard drive space, guys. (laughs) Moving on. Here's the thing that that Matt and I have noticed, um, because we do a lot of stuff online. We do a lot of promotion online. Anything that we post, it could be a quote, it could be an image, a video, a song, whatever. At a certain point of people paying attention to it, the trolls come out. Guaranteed. 
at a certain point of popularity and success, guaranteed the trolls come out. You could have a quote post that says, grace is good. Around the time it hits, you know, a certain critical number of likes and reblogs and reposts and shares and whatnot, someone will come out and crap all over it. And you might ask, how would you crap all over someone who says grace is good? Yeah, but there's judgment. <laughs> Remember that. There it is. There's- I think Jesus is good. <laughs> you think other stuff is good. So way to go. Way to go, Jed. Right. So this is the thing is you're saying I want attention. Um, I'm doing the right thing. I want attention. And I don't fault you. I, I, you know, I'm on your side. I agree. Not all attention is good. Um, This, this is the thing. And, you know, when the Bible talks about patience, um, and I'm pretty sure this is Galatians 6, 9, where it says, let's not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. That's really the big answer to this is that God does see that you are doing a good job. God does see that you're being faithful and he's really proud of you, man. He's that, that that's a big deal to him. But now here's one of the key things for him is he, he does want to bring good stuff into your life. He wants to bring cool opportunities and cool relationships and and cool experiences, but he wants to bring those at a time when you're actually ready for them. Uh, And that's, that's really, really key. If, you know, we work with a lot of people in addiction recovery. And if you gave someone that's, you know, been is coming out of, for example, addiction to heroin, a ton of really positive attention three weeks into their sobriety. In most cases, that would be a really bad thing. That would actually not, end well. The, the, the likelihood of that going off the rails is really, really high. If you say, maybe let's wait till a year and three months in, and then we start to dial up that, that positive attention, it's way more likely to be a healthy thing. It's way more likely to be a blessing as opposed to a curse. But that does involve that person having to wait for a year and be patient. The blessings God has for you are worth waiting for. The results of good attention are worth waiting for. In the meantime, God sees, he's cheering you on, and we want to see what you're doing too so we can cheer you on. So write us a note, let us know what you're up to so we can be part of praying for you and lifting you up. Absolutely right. And Lee, I'd love to get you to to pick us up there because as Jed pointed out in his very good and true advice that sucks and no one wants to hear and makes him a jerk face person, and some of us have also had to preach that sermon, um there's just not much to be done. You can't make other people pay attention. I mean, you can, but then, you know, you end up on the news. So that's, that's not the way to go. I mean, you can jump off something high, but it only works once. Um, but so what do we focus on in the meantime? And again, I think that a lot of the, a lot of stuff in this is going to fall into that kind of, this is not the advice you want right now, but there is, you know, as long as you're not getting that feedback you want, what do, what do we buckle down and focus on in the meantime until people do start noticing? Yeah, I think that's a really good way to ask it. And the, you know, the thing is, is that if I am focused on wanting folks to see how I'm doing, then what that does is it winds, it winds up making me kind of uh, susceptible to kind of a peanut gallery of how does everybody think I'm doing? And then I'm all of a sudden I'm listening to I'm listening to how everybody thinks I'm doing, which, as Jed pointed out, they don't care. They're not watching. And so if you ask those questions long enough, people are going to wind up just telling you stuff. They're going to be critical. They're not going to come at you with a lot of uh, wisdom. They're not going to necessarily come at you with your best interest in heart. Um, the the funny thing about my where I'm coming from on this question is, is I was looking when Jed was answering the last question, I was looking at some of my notes for this question thinking they're very similar. Um, which is to say that what you want to build is an, an intimacy with Jesus where you are learning in practical ways. What does it mean for me to follow him today? Um, I'll say it that way. What does it mean to follow Jesus today? In the meantime of, of waiting on that proper time, as Jed's talking about, I want to, I want to figure out what does Jesus have for me today? And I want to stay in communication with him with that kind of honest prayer where I learn how to listen, where I learn how to bring everything that I've got to him, where I can also bring out all my motives and emotions and fears and all that kind of stuff. We can just lay all that stuff out on the table and talk about all of it and try to get a feel for where is Jesus leading me in the midst of that. Now that I've been honest about everything I feel like, so let's, let's, 
look at this in a practical way. I've got a decision about where I want to go to school. Um, or I've got a decision about this ministry opportunity or something like that. What I want to do is I want to figure out what does Jesus have for me in this? I want to follow him and I want to daily build my following of him and my friendship with him and that intimacy with him and that relationship. That's what I want to do. So what I want to do is talk to him about everything I think and feel about that thing. I'm Maybe I'm afraid of this part, or I'm excited about this part, or I really think this sounds interesting, or I think that my gifts are over here. And then I want to take all that stuff to him and see what he says about it and see if, if I'm getting a tug somewhere. And then I want to redo that process and see if I can refine where I think his voice is taking me. The cool thing about, about getting better at this process is the more you do it, One, you will get better at it. But two, you start to really uh, narrow your focus on what does Jesus think about all this stuff in my life? All of a sudden, I don't need to know what the peanut gallery thinks about my life anymore because I'm laser focused on finding out what does Jesus think about it because I'm following him. Um, I, I'm, I'm seeking his face in this. I'm seeking his direction. I'm being shepherded by his voice and I want his smile over this whole thing. So I think while we're waiting on the time where the Lord's going to show everybody and people are going to see how well I'm doing, I want to, I want to, uh, get some reps under my belt and get better and better at learning practically in daily stuff. What does it mean to be completely honest in prayer with the Lord and try to learn how to discern his voice for where he's leading me? It's a really great point. And Glenn, there's one, one thing I think we, we've not addressed quite so far that we really should in order to get a healthy attitude on this, which is, as we point out, there's nothing wrong with wanting people to notice how well you're doing. That's, that's mm-hmm. not a selfish thing. It's not an ego thing. You know, it's, that's just human thing. I think the an attitude that can, will lead to a lot of uh, problem in this is waiting for that day when everyone notices. Oh. And there's consensus. Right. And you're just amazing now. Yeah. That's not really coming. So no. what what are we actually looking for in a healthy idea of I want people to notice the good things I'm doing? Well, I think it is healthy to have a perspective of I want people in my inner circle to notice what's going on and to yeah. value that and appreciate it. But Glenn, uh, won't I know that I'm doing well when the people who hate me have yeah, to acknowledge no. that I'm good. Haters are gonna hate. That's how that works. They're, that's a saying for a reason because that's that's what goes on there. Uh, there are some people over maybe a course of four or five, ten or twelve years will change their mind about you, what have you. Uh, but that's a function of their own uh, hate, their own self hate. You know that's what's going on there. It's important for your inner circle to know uh what what's going on with you and it's important for them to give you the feedback that wow this is great and that should be that should mean 10,000 times more to you than the haters or the random general public because they know exactly how hard it is for you to have this kind of growth and make these kinds of changes but for that same reason we do need to understand something about you when you make a change when you have growth when you're doing the right thing where suddenly previously you were doing uh the wrong thing here's what you need to know about that making those changes and doing the right thing that is awesome i'm not saying it to compliment you this is not a compliment this is awesome this is amazing. This is Bigfoot riding on the Loch Ness monster, waving to the camera with a thing and a unicorn. <laughs> and the, it's it it's rare. It's beautiful. It's amazing. You say, "Well, yeah, I, I just used to do something dumb, then I stopped, and I started doing something not dumb." Right. That is really rare and beautiful and amazing. Now, here's why I'm telling you that. Again, it's not a compliment. It's just what you need to know about you. you know, why is that important? It's, because, it's important because you look around and see a lot of people that weren't doing nothing, and you say, I was doing something bad. Now I started, finally, I stopped doing that, and I started doing some good stuff. And you want the people who weren't doing nothing to say, wow, I noticed you aren't a big jerk anymore, and now you're doing a good thing. But the thing is, you have gone from jerk to awesome. But those people aren't doing anything. 
are, are now below you. You say, well, yeah, but last week I was doing a thing. Okay, but that's last week. Right now, you're awesome. They're not. This makes them feel bad. It also makes them feel bad because they can remember recently when you were a schmuck and they were not. Um, it, there are people who in your life who have struggles. I mean, they really have their struggles. And to you, you think this person's normal, they're responsible, blah, blah, blah. But those, pers- those people might need to make changes in their lives, and they are freaking stuck, man. And they are not making that change. They look at you making this change, and they envy you already in this process. They are already looking at that saying, man, I should be doing better with me based on that. To you, you, you think of yourself as still that person who was messing up. But to those people in your life, they're already feeling convicted within themselves. The Bible says a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Mm. That means you and what you do to make changes and grow in your walk with the Lord, nothing can keep people from seeing that. They see it. Now, some people are stoked about it. Some people are jealous of it. Some people are weirded out by it. Some people are insecure related to it. Some people are just focused on their own crazy scenarios. Some people are reading about celebrities and something on the internet. This is what we're dealing with here, okay? But the idea of I'm making forward progress and no one can see that does not exist. People do see that. And the people who care about you, the people in that inner circle, the people in your tribe, respect that in you, and we respect that in you to us. You making those changes is a huge deal to us. We celebrate that. It's a big deal to us. It absolutely is. And there's there's another emotionally healthy thing on this that I, I have learned from uh, Glenn and his wife, Jane, have a system where it is perfectly acceptable and encouraged to walk into a room where the other is and sit down and say the phrase, I want attention for this. Yes. <laughs> because, right. dear listener, that's how you get attention. Yeah, that's right. Part of this is certainly people don't notice, but, and again, this is not saying you got to you gotta throw yourself parade, don't do the Instagram thing with the, with the wedding cake and all that, because I can't stress enough how much nobody cares. Right. But again, it's one thing where if you if you don't have those people in life, we email us, let's find them. But it's pastor, small group leader, friend, whatever, and say something like, I did this this week, and I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. When it's, yes. you know, we're going around the uh, the community group for, for uh, praise reports and all that. There's a moment where a little bit of this is on you to to jump out and say, sure. you know what? I'm excited. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. here's the thing. If it's a good thing to be excited about, which it almost certainly is, uh, it's it's not going to rain in your parade for, for everyone to go, oh, that's neat. And not throw your parade. Oh, that's neat. Fine. You still yep. get to be excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, if there's one actual step on that, I would put that out there. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast, gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Take out the this week with a song from our friends, Pete and Tasha Lawson. This is their version of the classic hymn. It is well. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just where we love nice. you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Coming this fall from Jesus Juke films, point <laughs> faith. <laughs> Cowabunga dude. That's Greek for I made a movie. Now you have to like it. <laughs>